Greetings, true believers, and welcome to episode 86 of the Pull List Podcast, a bi-weekly show about comics, pop culture, and faith. My name is with my name is with me, and if you missed the pre-show, that's just how today's gonna go. But my name is Chris Borier. With me, Houston. With me, Houston, is Hector and We are recording on a rare Sunday for both of us, the day after Free Comic Book Day. So you have now oriented yourselves to our um, recording schedule. Uh, I am sitting in an office where it is currently 87 degrees because somebody tried to steal my AC unit three weeks ago and it's still not fixed. Um, Huzzah. So good times. Uh, Sweating to the oldies today or sweating to the comic book goodies. Going to work on that. Um, Hector's had a full day of shenanigans. So, I mean, I guess that means we just have to talk about comics and let it all sort itself out. Yeah. So that means the rest of y'all need to strap yourselves in and prepare yourselves for we've got comic sign. Man, hold on, let me hit the disco button on my wall yeah. lights. There we go. <laughs> you see the faint uh, glow of fluorescent lighting bouncing off my glasses. <laughs> I need to get glow sticks for the future. Warn me next time. Uh, we can rave it up proper, but. Today's episode of The Pull List, we have a show for you. I don't know if it's great or wonderful, but we'll find out. Uh, we're going to hit the latest news that you need to know, our must-pull recommendations from the past two weeks and a couple days, um, our favorite new number ones, uh, and probably a little bit about a little movie that came out this past week because Chris never makes it to in time. We knew that Hector was going to get to it anyway. So we're going to talk about Guardians, uh, or we're going to get Hector's non-spoil, spoilery um Hot take? Is that a hot? Is it going to be technically a hot take? Uh, early take? I, I'm not a, in favor of hot takes. That's um, fair. I feel like we should practice discernment and <laughs> not be foolish in our tongues. Oh, how about that? It's very responsible. <laughs> uh, I am going to talk about some free comic book day stuff because that was literally yesterday, at least in our timeline. Um, we're multiversing the multiverse because you hear us on a Wednesday and we record days before, but this one's closer. So I don't know. Kang did it. Something about the multiverse. I don't know. Um, but this is the Polis Podcast. So news. Um, we do have some like news to talk about other than free comic book day um, happened as it usually does in the first Saturday of May. If you did not know that and we forgot to mention it last episode, well then shame on us. But well, during we the course of, during the course of this podcast, uh, Free comic book day has changed days three times. <laughs> that is also accurate because of a little thing called COVID. You may remember that. Um, um, but for the long, for prior to COVID, it's always been the first weekend in May. Yes, it's supposed to be the first Saturday in May. Um, so saith the comic book um, conglomerates. Um, so on that, I've dug up a little bit of news because I actually had this conversation at my comic shop yesterday. But for those of you that are not familiar, Free Comic Book Day is a day when a bunch of publishers will print either reprint previous stories. They'll give um, teasers to stuff that's going to come out over the summer and the fall. Sometimes they'll do special one shots um, and they're usually shorter books. Um, and I'll give you a little sneak peek. Um, but I'll only show the bottom of it. And they've got little banners on them and they say free comic book day and poor retailers usually have to order these like in December. (laughs) So like six months before they come out um, and free comic books aren't free. (laughs) They cost uh, shop owners money to buy, but they're considerably less than regular books. But the whole idea was, I think it was 30 something years ago. Now 25 years was recently. Um, But to get more people interested in comics, they wanted to have a day where you could go to your local comic shop and get free comics to check them out and be able to learn a little bit about what comics might be about, what stories might interest you and all that cool stuff. So free comic book day. Got it. Good. Got it. Great. You have heard me on more than one occasion say how much I absolutely love and adore these people we call speculators. 
Um, which is to say Speculators. that I, mount up. Um, it was a cold black night. <laughs> Clear white moon. Orange G's on the street. Try, okay. Oh wow. Um so yeah. <laughs> Welcome but, to the nineties, no, guys. Yeah, but <laughs> but also no. Um Aww. speculators are people that usually find out about a particular book having a first appearance, a death of something important that might actually be worth something on the interwebs or this incredibly dark, nasty place that we call eBay. And during uh-huh. the year, that happens and people try to go and snatch up as many books before the rest of the world is paying attention so that they can sell them for all of the doll hairs on eBay before people realize that they're not as valuable as you thought. The thing that has literally made zero sense to me is that this still happens on free comic book day. And this year is of no exception. Uh, Two books had at least significant enough events that speculators are like, Oh, I want to go pick up a bunch of these for free and dump them on eBay. So the people that, you know, weren't near giant shops that could literally give away tons and tons of free books. um, I can sell these for money because that's the other part of this is smaller shops because there's a cost here generally can't buy enough books to just give everything away. And that stinks. And, but that's, that's the reality of it. Right. Um, my first shop, uh, the first place Faith and Fan ever actually did an appearance was on a free comic book day in 2014. And um, it was a shop in Myrtle Beach that has since closed called Apocalypse Comics. And Apocalypse Comics went ahead and bagged every book together. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. So you could just get the whole pack of what came out that day. Yeah. So you walked in and you could just get a bundle of um, at that point in time, dude, it was like 75 books. Yeah, Um, no, because there was this year I was actually looking over the list and I went, wow, well, at least they were kinder this year because it wasn't like that many. Um, But 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 yeah, you would you could walk into Apocalypse Comics, um, just be handed an entire bundle of 75 books or you could go peruse and just get the ones you wanted. But like just to just to put that in context, if it was seventy five dollars or seventy five books, that cost to the comic book shop was roughly fifteen dollars per customer. Yeah, just to put some context around it. And so they would also do base their free comic book day around that being a big deal. They would have a whole artist alley out in the parking lot, plus yep. wrestling, plus cosplayers. It was a lot. It was great life experiences for me, but like it's made every other free comic book day look a little crappy. Yeah, no, I get that. And we did, we went pretty big at ultimate as well, where the big tent sale didn't have the wrestling, but did have our mini comic uh, alley and sales and everything. So yeah, it's like a lot of places do it up. So because it's comic book industry, putting ourselves on display, but two books this year did roll out. Uh, There's a runescape book. Um, so first of all, I'm weirded out that a video game crossover became worth money because that doesn't happen a whole lot. And then I guess something happened in the Spider-Man book that I thought looked to me like it was a reprint of something previous, but obviously it's not. Um, that RuneScape book as of middle of yesterday was going for $20 a pop and the Spider-Man book was going for 35. Wow. So people were showing up to my little shop going, Hey, can I get like four copies of that free book? No reason and that's the number one thing for us retailers is when someone's like hey can i get three copies of this book that no one else seems to want for some reason that we stop and go what book was that again uh i'm gonna google that real quick um yeah but here's the thing fam because free comic book day the larger retailers are buying a literal bajillion of these things because they can those books will be literally worthless by wednesday by the time this podcast hits your ear, those books are not going to be worth anything um, because everyone and their cousin is going to be trying to do what just happened in the last 24 hours, our time, um, on these appearances. Because even us, which was a, a midsize multi-unit shop, we're buying this in enough bulk that we can give them away at like movie premieres throughout the rest of the year. Um, it. I just, I'm never going to understand speculators wanting to do this to a hobby that you're either depriving somebody that really wants to read a book of something um, just to make a buck. I mean, I get it. Every hobby has this in some shape or form. You want to know the secret? (sighs) Lean in, lean in. Uh Oh, People are douches. Oh, Oh, that's unfortunate. (laughs) They're greedy and they're douchey. Yeah. 
And here you go. So on a day that you can literally get free comics, people are like, well, your comic book store that I literally haven't been to for the last 364 days sucks because you won't give me five copies of a book that you happen to know is worth $20 a pop right now. Dude, there's so during the um, I mean, this is obviously not the same thing, but like during you, you, you helped with my community after our community was flooded after the hurricanes. You right. You, yeah. you remember the deal. Um, we yeah. had NFL players and celebrities here. Like, yeah, yeah. All that jazz. Um, we had people that were taking free meals that we were giving and then taking them into lower housing places and selling the meals. Oh, so people are greedy <laughs> and <Yeah>. we're evil <laughs> and that goes for every kind of charity. If it can be exploited, it will be exploited because we're deprived. Oh, and, here, and here we are feeling really great about ourselves. 11 minutes into the podcast. Got it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So reminds me of this little Bible verse that said, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, a podcast and a sermon brought to you by Hector. For See, the wages of sin is death. Wow. Comma, but. But. <laughs> <laughs> the gift of God is eternal life through Christ. High fives. Okay, go on. <laughs> All right. We got it. We got it in. So I guess we have to count it. Yep. Um, so. <laughs> that, co- that comma is crucial. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's, whenever there's a comma and a but in any literature, you stop, you take a breath and go, oh. Um, so speaking of somewhat not so great things in the comic book industry. Hey, Hey, don't worry people. This, this turns around this episode. I promise you. Um, so you think, no, it does. I have no idea. I don't know. (laughs) He can see the notes. He knows. Um, but I don't want to spoil it. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Um, I like to be surprised too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, we have spoken more than once also about IDW literally just, Wiping the slate clean, starting over and being like, everything's fine now. Seriously. Except this time it feels like it wasn't as everything's fine. Seriously. IDW again has decided to take the deck chairs of their proverbial Titanic and move them around in hopes that they won't go under. And in that process, they laid off somewhere between 38 and 40% of their entire staff Uh, on top of appointing a bunch of people that I'm not super familiar with. So that's a choice. Um, In the comic book industry, I generally want to see names I'm somewhat familiar with (laughs) at the head of an organization um, as large as IDW. But I mean, I guess that's why I don't have Chris's publishing. So fine. Um, But here's, so for those of you that like choked for a second, because you know that IDW has the, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles IP. Um, Don't they also have Power Rangers? And they got all kinds of stuff, but let's be honest. Um, Transformers, Power Rangers. Turtles. Yes. I okay, focus on turtles. turtles. <laughs> Excuse, me. Excuse um, me. Are they last Ronin turtles? Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Oh, yes. They're, so They're about to launch a video game. Oh, no. So... Um, the first thing that a bunch of the guys that have been in the turtle um, industry, if you will, for for the time that it's been at IDW, they're like, so, yeah, um, good news, bad news. And it's like, don't don't do me that way, but go on. All of them are being retained as freelancers to work specifically on turtles, but most of them have lost their physical IDW jobs if they had side-by-side jobs. Um, so the example I just gave you is actually Chris Waltz, who, um, or Tom Waltz. I always do that to him. I'm sorry. It's Tom. I know it's Tom. Uh, who has been doing stuff there for quite a while. And he was also up in their editorial department. Um, he was a group editor, creator development, all that good stuff. And they're retaining him as a consultant in TMNT, but he technically... I mean, even his Facebook has been updated to former. Um, oh, no. Yeah. That's and, like it's complicated relationship status. And that's more or less what he said. He's like, so here's the cool thing. He's like, they don't want turtles to to die. And they realize that some of us are kind of important to that. Um, him being one of them. <laughs> um, but at the same time, he's like technically being released by the greater company. I no longer have exclusivity with IDW, which means dot, dot, dot. And I was like, okay, that's cool. Cause I 
there's some of the guys that have been in that stable that I am kind of curious where they would go and what they would write when they'd um, actually have the freedom to do so. Right. So they're kind of like, so it sucks, but it doesn't. And I was like, I kind of respect the crap out of that. Um, but yeah, so things are complicated to say the very least at IDW at the moment because I they have redone that C shop at I swear we have talked about it at least four they, times. They're not in a committed relationship, but they are talking. But right, they're, they're open to exclusive. <laughs> they're open. They're open to dating other people. Yeah. It's complicated. Um so yeah, I I really don't know what's going on at IDW, but clearly who whoever controls the finances are not happy about every three months. So we can revisit revisit this in 90 days and see how things are going. Oh, so you mean uh, just like uh, Discovery Warner? Yeah, that sounds about right. Because they keep laying people off and firing things and not putting yeah. stuff out. Right. Um, but, and I said there was a but, and there was another side of the coin. Speaking of which, um, over at DC, a Warner Brothers joint. Um, no. <laughs> Um, they finally put Jim Lee in charge, like in charge, in charge, not like we always knew he was basically in charge. Um, they announced his full promotion to, and you're going to want to catch this because he's holding three titles. Now he is holding the title of president publisher and his old job of creative chief officer. Have you watched succession at all? No, but I, I guess that's one of those I just need to, because Lots of people tell you to. Yeah. Well, let me just say this. Succession is the anti-Ted Lasso. <laughs> right. Okay. Where Ted Lasso will more make you feel, even when Ted's not at its best, it'll make you feel encouraged and better as a human. Succession is just people trying to hold positions and it makes you feel wretched for them the whole time. There's no empathy or joy. So, yeah. Mm. But that sounds like uh, Jim just won Succession. <laughs> Yeah, um, he waited everybody out, <laughs> um, holds on the creative control, which I think is super important. Um, occupying the publisher role is actually somewhat significant. A lot of people couldn't name the publisher at most of the major comic companies if they tried. I don't even know who's in charge of Marvel at all. Right. You know, anything. I Do I you? Said that, no, <laughs> and that's okay. why I said it, because I was like... <laughs> The only other publisher I know is Valiance because Fred's been like doing that job for like ever. And even through all their change and everything, they retain their publisher. But that's it, the guy that's the guy that makes sure the stuff actually gets done into a standard. So we went from Didio to John's to Lee. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Okay. I believe so. Um but either way, that puts Jim Lee now has a lot of control at DC. And I don't think that's a bad thing. In no. fact, one of the conversations I had with somebody recently is like, think of it this way. Jim Lee, as young as he was, also ends up being one of the few people that walks out of image with 100% control of all of his creations. Didn't lose any money really during that process or misspend it. Um, and then finds his way back into the big two to ultimately run one one day. Because like deep down inside, the image experiment was kind of a disaster for the founders. <laughs> um, one would argue that the only other guy that really survived that process well. Um, there goes my brain. That's good. Um, because there weren't many. Um, but why, why is my brain doing that? Um, Spawn. Uh, McFarlane? Yeah. Um, that he's one of the few that also... that. All the other dudes were so young that they were like, I got money and bought cars and stuff. And then we're like, why am I poor? And the reason is because you can't draw feet. And if you got that joke, congratulations. Um, <laughs> Hector has to think about it for a second. No, I, I got it. But my, I had this thought the other day <laughs> that what if the reason uh, Liefeld can't draw feet is because he's actually an AI. <gasps> and it's the same thing with fingers. <laughs> with AI because AI can't do fingers maybe AI is really just feet for Leif Liefeld and that's why maybe he's really just an AI oh. 
what am I supposed to do with that, Hector? <laughs> Question everything you know. That also, have you watched Everything Everywhere all at once? No, that's another one that's on my deep pull list that you, I need to, to you binge. You definitely need to watch that. But there's a um, there's a whole world where people have hot dog fingers. I think I knew that from seeing pictures. but yes. Right. But that made me think the other day of like, what if the hot dog finger world is the AI world? So. What if we're just AI talking about AI doing AI? Dude, that's supposed to be like the 100th episode. We're not supposed to reveal that yet. Right. Forget everything from the last 30 seconds. I usually do. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, so interesting stuff going on all over the industry. But our last little bit of news um, is, do you remember? Because apparently it was about a year ago. And I didn't think it was that long ago, but apparently it was. There was a one shot released by DC that was the new gold age or the new golden age. And I think we read it. I don't think we talked about it here because we were like, yes, that happened. Um. Because it was around the time that we actually were talking about, you know, the dawn of DC, the Lazarus stuff, I think, was on the horizon. Dark Metal might have been going on or the end of it was going on. And they're like, hey, you remember the original uh, members of stuff, right? And everyone went, no, <laughs> no, we don't. Well, anyway, we're finally actually getting some of the new Golden Age books from DC. Uh, They're coming out a little later this year. It looks like they're going to be six-issue miniseries. And so the first one is Alan Scott, the Green Lantern. The Green Lantern. Um, Because he was the first dude. Uh, Jay Garrick, who most people have heard that name in recent time and know that that was the Flash. And then Wesley Dodds, uh, the Sandman. Um which is fascinating to me because that one I had actually forgotten about some of the older justice society members and all of that good stuff. But um, you get a good hefty dose of them in the Sandman uh, comics. If And also if you watch the, listen to the audio, but just saying. Yep. Um, what's kind of fun there is for those of us that have been with us for a while, a uh, friend of the show, Robert Venditti is doing the Sandman. Um, what? Yeah. He is doing yep. what, what what you talking about Willis? He's doing the Wesley Dodds the Sandman one shot for the the Golden Age Shut up. thing here. The dude yep. we've had on our podcast? Yeah, a couple times. What? Hey Robert, we love you. Did you know we've also had Kevin Eastman on our podcast? He was our first ever interview. How cool is that? That is cool. We've also had Ufua Mm-hmm. who works for stony animation now how about that news yeah actually we probably should that's another one that should we should just be as we approach 100 maybe have some folks back for a discussion because they've done some cool stuff does that mean afua is going to be working on like a spider-verse movie because that'd be dope i don't she know didn't she didn't say but she, she didn't also say. didn't say yeah um I do know in her particular case, though, we should be seeing her Kickstarter of her Mermaid Folk book finally coming into realization here in the not too distant future. So, right. Boom. So, yeah, that's that's the news. That was a lot of news, but we covered a lot of industry stuff and I like talking industry. So that's what you need to know. Uh, That's our biweekly look at the industry and delivering you the inside knowledge. Uh, As always, you can join in the conversation with Hector and I and all of your nerdy friends over on the Love Thy Nerd Discord, Uh, sometimes over there on the Book of Faces in the community as well. Um, So, yeah. Come hang out with a bunch of nerds like you and like us. Tell us what you liked, what you hated, or possibly what we missed. Because even with all that, we probably missed some stuff. What can I say? Um, and I'm trying. That, I'm trying to learn the discords. So be patient with me. Tag he's still tr- like <laughs> at me at everything, and I'm gonna do my best. He he's trying. So uh, we'll we'll hit uh, Hector's quick visit on the guardians as we wrap up the show today. So stay tuned for that in a little bit, but for now we're doing guardians at the end. We'll do it at the end. See, I just planted some breadcrumbs for a teaser. Let's talk about them comics first. Okay. I wanted to rip a thing open. Okay. Yeah. Well, okay. Who, who's doing what? Go for it. Tell us about, tell us the faster you tell us about some comics in a reasonable way. You get to talk about guardians. Did you read this? (laughs) I did read it. How'd you feel? I didn't like it. 
What? Why didn't you like it? Let's hear that before I tell you why I did like it. Right. So, uh, Batman number 100, by, 900, by the way. Yeah. Batman 900, uh, legacy numbering, uh, current issue running 135. Don't get confused. Keep up. Um, I appreciate that they're using this multiverse Red Hood story to explain some things in previous continuity. Red mask, sir. Get it right. Whatever. Don't care. Right. Sorry. You I, stay, you I gotta, insulted the other. I insulted yeah, the one you care You got to stay out of my playground on that one, man. <laughs> That's fair. Um, but when he uttered the nonsense, spoilerly in the middle of this story, that he created a fourth Joker, which clearly is an explanation of why we had three Jokers that technically never told us where they came from. We now know where they came from, supposedly in continuity. I almost threw the book because I was like, no, stop it. Like that part alone just upset me because I was like, no, stop it. You keep trying to add mystique to the Joker thing. And by explaining it, you take away the mystique. Yeah. And now you've given us that there's a fourth Joker that you're going to tell some lame story about later this year. So aside from all of that. <laughs> Sorry, but I was just like, no, no. Stop okay. It. So this gives us the end of the multiversal Batman story. And he's chasing a rogue uh, Jack Napier-ish Joker guy who's not insane. And it makes him mad that he's not insane. That he's not insane. Yes. Yeah, he's annoyed. I um, didn't mind that. That no, I, I didn't mind. Uh, but he starts trying to traverse the multiverse to become the next Joker or whatever else. Um, and so we get... Dude, it's a chunky amount. So if you look at the spread There's of this a lot. book... Like everything in this chunk is a multiversal travel story. So you see in this book, you get to see um, the current comics Batman travel to Batman 89. All the um, Batmans. And so in the, the plot point is everywhere this red mask Joker goes to, he brings back any Joker that was dead. And any Joker that's still alive is super powered. So... Uh, Jack Nicholson's Joker comes back super powered. We get to see um, the vampire Batman storyline. We get to see Gotham by Gaslight. We get to see uh, um, the 70s Batman. We get to see Batman the Animated Series. Yeah, it was um, Batman Batman 66. They, As someone else pointed out, oh, shark repellent's finally canon. I was like, stop it. No, I liked that, by the way. I really did enjoy that. It's a good, it's a good pull. I'm not denying it, but get, at the same time, it's like, stop it. Get, get, you, get off my, get off my pull, man. Uh, <laughs> hey, speculators out there selling this as first appearance of canonical shark repellent. How that, it's not the first time though. It's I, been in there. That's the same thing I thought, but it's not the first time we've seen bat shark repellent. Um, I agree. We get Stupid to see internet. Arkham Batman, Batman Beyond. Um, and so this is where you get to see all of these universes all in one, which by the way, if you remember with the Batman beyond universe, the Joker is killed by Tim Drake. Um, we get to see that guy come back. We get to see kingdom come. I saw kingdom come that I, I was, I did nod to that. I was like, okay, okay. We get to see injustice, dark Knight returns. I mean, it's just like, this was just, if you're a Batman fan, you get to see a lot, almost <laughs> every iteration of Batman across the board. Um, and yeah, it does kind of end with the Batman shark repellent thing getting to be used. Yeah. And it was good. And for some reason, a version of Tim saves yep. him. And I yeah. don't know where that came from. Like, I don't know what other storyline this was happening in. I haven't been reading the Tim Drake Robin books. I haven't either. So that that could be our ignorance. And we're going to get messages from Todd or somebody on that one probably. Dude, I don't think I've seen anybody in our crew reading the Tim Drake Robin books. Oh, that's fair. Um, I could be wrong, and if you are, please correct us. But either way, if you like Batman, just pick this up, just for the art and fun of it. Um, it's not crazy pricey, I don't think. It's six bucks. Um, yeah, it could be worse. Um, I've paid six dollars for crappy comics. This is a good one. It's a good, it's a good romp. But this basically resets the universe uh, where from this point on, we're in a new story. So that also means the next issue of Batman is a good jumping on point for anyone. So there is that. Also, Todd told me he finally canceled uh, Detective Comics, and I failed to, and I was really sad that I hadn't. Um, womp womp. Womp womp. I am sad every time I open a Detective Comics. Um, now, uh, 
jumping over to the next book, and this was my overall pull for everything, um, is the new My Hero. Uh, it's got the uh, All Might's protege, but pre-Deku, the American superhero. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, this is the only, to my understanding, uh, the anime has stopped at the previous book. And this is the first book, and it just came out this week. This is the first book that's dropped past where the cartoon currently is. Um, that sounds accurate. And th- this is, it's good. The story has been continuing for a while. Um, this, the previous one was uh, 33, was one of my favorite of the entire My Hero storylines. Um, so it's dope, but here's on a um, plot twisty thing. And I'm going to say this with all the discretion and no spoilers as much as possible. But one, you finally get to see the invisible girl. Oh, um, you get to see her for a moment. Um, she has a major plot point turn of, you know, where she like something happens. And for a brief moment, you get to see her. That's cool. Um, the other end of this and why this makes this a like, Oh, book <laughs> is look at me. I want, I want to see your face. I want to see if when I say this ready, you find out that one of the class, a students has been betraying the group the entire time to offer one. What? And it's not like, it's not like some supplementary character from a different class. One of the OG kids. So every time all for one showed up or his bad guys showed up in a place that shouldn't have happened or they weren't supposed to know where they were or it was a mystery or how did they find us? Right. You can, if you rethink through the story, the bad guys were yeah. always showing up in places they weren't supposed to be. Right. Because and they we- usually, and they usually even made the plot point of how did they find us? Like, especially like their schedule at like even the training facility attack, like really early. Right. Um, that's the one that sticks out in my mind. It was, it's basically like, how did they, it's like, sure. They probably knew where the facility was, but how'd they know one a was there. And then some of the times when they were off doing certain things. Yeah. We find uh, we find out that one of the UA kids has been betraying all of these folks to all for one the entire time. Oh, that's jacked up. And it's jacked up because everyone in the class 1A are kids you've connected with. Right. Yeah, they may not no. be your favorite. You may not have a Funko pop up them, but they've all been good. I'm not going to lie. This is why I really appreciate manga and anime and Japanese writing is they do this extremely well. Um, so many of their stories, you, they want, they want you to fall in love with every character so they can tear them all from you <laughs> now. But, and so where, where wow. this, while where this turns and we get the big dramatic reveal, all the stuff. And if you remember in the previous book, and where it currently is in the anime, Deku just went down his dark path and everything, right? Yeah. yeah. As soon as Deku finds out who betrayed him, oh, he starts fighting for them. They can be. <laughs> he's like they can be redeemed. They can be made better. Like yeah, yeah, they like literally. Deku, Deku's fatal flaw is trusting people. And it's the thing, Deku starts fighting on their behalf. And like it's just crisp, it's pure Deku coming from Deku on the end of everything to being Deku at his Dekuist. Um if you enjoy the story or have ever have, jump back in. It's good. Um, so there was that. That's cray cray. Um, neighbors. I mentioned this with the first issue. Mm-hmm. Um and I'll say this. The storytelling is good. It deals a lot with social anxiety, a lot with social fear. This weird uh, adoptive, divorced uh, family of people that have just going through a bunch of changes and stuff like that. But here's what I'm going to say is this. This is the creepiest thing I've read in terms of comics. And you've been reading a lot of creepy stuff lately. I've been reading a lot of creepy stuff. This is the creepiest. Every page I turn this, I want to see this in live action. I want to see someone act this. What's the young lady that played in Queen's Gambit and uh, she's Princess Peach and um, Joy somebody, right? Yeah, the menu and One Night in Soho and 
She's done a million other things. Ah, you see, I got the end of it. It's Anya Taylor-Joy. Anya Taylor-Joy. I want to see her be this girl right here. Like the main blonde character. I want to see her do this because she would freaking murder this thing. But like the entire book for like all, like last time we actually saw some malicious stuff in this, Mm. almost the entire thing is watching this little kid, like a three-year-old have a hit her big sister who has been replaced by a demon, a monster or something, just looking at her like she wants to eat her the whole time. So every time the parents are having a conversation, the big sister's just looking at you like, I'm going to eat you when they're not looking. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And so it's that. And it's just like the malevolent look that this young lady is casting is like, um, boy, like this, it just legitimately makes me uncomfortable the way that she's looking at this kid and like, hold on, let me find a panel. Um, Do, do, do. (laughs) okay like so every time this kid's having a family moment big sister's looking like i'm gonna eat you (laughs) um so the neighbors too uh it's it's boom studios is them doing their thing um and that was fun and did i put daredevil as my next one you did okay uh i'll say this this was between daredevil and moon knight um and did you read moon knight no, Moon Knight's uh, is that one that I can pick back up again, or is it still kind of eh? They're still sort of chasing the same villain, but uh, not so much. But the the basic thing is, and this is also guess tying into Venom. Uh, if you're up to date in comics, you know that Eddie Brock is gone and he's dead, and that Dylan Brock is now Venom, Dude. and that more Venomverse stuff is coming. You're welcome. Yeah, but so if you're not aware, Venom is basically Shazam now. (laughs) He's a little kid (laughs) that turns into a big hulking superhero, uh, but it's really just a little kid. With a bad attitude. With a bad attitude. Um, So Venom is basically just Shazam now. And so uh, Venom, Venom shows up on Moon Knight's doorstep because Eddie Brock told him if he ever had problems, he could trust Moon Knight. That's messed up. Go on. <laughs> and because Moon Knight knew what it was like to have voices inside of him that argued with him and the insanity of it. Okay, um, that, check, that checks out. But also, <laughs> what? Yeah. Um, he's like, if you can't trust anybody else, you can trust Moon Knight. Um, and so you, that's that's the that's how this Moon Knight plays. So if you want to watch teenage Venom fight with Moon Knight trying to track down a bad guy. It's a, it's Moon Knight was a solid pick. I picked the daredevil. When did you read this? I did, but kind of like Batman. Whenever I open a good Marvel book, I've been enjoying about one or two characters and I see more than two additional Avengers in it. I stop reading and I can't explain that mentality in, in my brain, but I feel that Marvel keeps trying to jam the rest of the Avengers into other books to remind people that they're relevant. And I don't care enough for that to continue happening. So I I'm on the flip side. I like a little lifeblood of some new content in there because we've been watching Elektra and Daredevil be broody. Uh, I mean, they need to get somewhere, but that's why I was just like, this is a bit much. They, they become broody masochistic, you know, uh, martyrs. Um, but this is showing up just like it was at the end of Punisher, which I didn't read that one. I missed that one. I don't know if I'm going to go back. Um, but the Avengers show up to take him in. But this whole book, you get Captain America and Spider-Man versus Elektra and Daredevil. And um, this is basically the end of that whole run of the, the book, the prophecy, all they've been doing with that. Um and you get to see Daredevil break Spider-Man down. And I thought that was dope. I enjoyed that a lot. Um, I enjoyed Spider-Man's plea on behalf of him. Um, but it also confirms Foggy is dead, and that makes me sad. Well, the next book is going to be much more broody, and it comes out next week. So you're welcome. Yeah. Um, but also, there was at one point, Captain America hit Elektra in the back of the head with a shield at full throw. And I was like, did you just kill Elektra? And like, I literally had a pause, but, uh, so 
at the end of this, this looks like a solid conclusion to the whole, we have a camp of ninjas and we're training to stop the hand. I don't know. It's not. Shush. Don't. don't yeah, yeah, the internet's already ruined it. The 11 that comes out next week is the end. Is it? Yes. Okay. Okay. So it, it's a good setup for the end. But if you want to see Captain America and Spider-Man take on Daredevils multiple, this is fun. Um, out of my options for the week of the things that didn't make it, of the stuff that I didn't pick, uh, Poison Ivy was okay, but it wasn't great. Detective was hot buttered garbage. Um, Darth Vader almost made my pull. Um, they're still in that weird uh, y'all need to go to therapy thing where he's hanging around a bunch of Padme's handmaidens that were her doppelgangers yeah that's and, not weird <laughs> and so he's got a weird gang of padmes that have like this weird control over him that he is susceptible like just like his own weakness yeah, yeah. um and they've been playing that for about eight issues now um and so that's a weird thing and that's only reason why i was like i enjoyed the most recent Darth vader but i was like there's a lot of backlog you gotta go through to get to that so what about you yeah, so Shazam! Shazam! Um, I have really been liking the number ones in the Donna DC stuff that kind of like Rebirth, they're making me go, oh, you actually remember what you do here, DC. Um, but I'll, I'll second that. All the number ones, like the Supermans, the um, Shazams, have been solid. Yeah, um, and this is Mark Wade, so that i want to see i want to see that for a bit um and they and the best part about this is this book like literally opens up with him riding a t-rex and you're like okay tell me more and the entire story is that a bunch of alien a family of alien t-rexes have crashed upon earth and he's helping the lost one find his mom and dad and they invite him for tea no i'm not kidding that's literally (laughs) the story of this book. book and it was delightful um until the last page. Right. And that was so they're like, he goes through the whole thing of, you know, I'm a little boy that was gifted by the ancients and all that good stuff to become Shazam. I say Shazam, I become Shazam, all the powers and all that. Um, his his best buddy keeps calling him Captain, which is a great throwback to the original Captain Marvel. Ooh. And by the way, guys, uh, you know, as Chris is telling this, this is also appears to be the death of the Shazamly. Yeah, because there isn't anyone else around. And so you can, this is officially, as it appears, DC saying, okay, we tried. Y'all didn't like it. We're on. We'll see, but yeah. But so he does his thing, saves somebody. But then at the end of this book, like blacks out and like calls somebody stupid and nasty and yells at him and literally does the, what did I just say out loud? And I was like, okay. And um, I believe that the you know, just go ahead and my personal take on that. I think that the all the uh, places he draws his powers from are going to start manifesting like personalities. Yeah, that's that's kind of my thing as well, is that it's going to be a he's going to he's going to have to learn how to control the others um, kind of thing. Well, and dude, so it, it's what Deku's been doing with like the fact that all of his previous versions yeah. have a voice. I really feel like they're stealing. <laughs> well, here we are. Here but we are. It's pretty. It's it feels like a Shazam book or at least like kind of like the movies minus the family. Sorry. Yeah. All right. Sorry, bro. <laughs> um, and that's the thing. They introduced the Shazam after the first movie. And now it feels like with the poor response of um the movie financially now granted i'm sure this story was written and in the publication before uh the movie poorly performed but at the same time i also think this that's the nail in the coffin for that mm-hmm. could be um my next one is i'm gonna keep saying good things about local man from image uh, as you so have that what is this three issues deep you're this, still saying this it? Is three issues deep because they're continuing the thing of the upside down side of it has the original superhero story of the fallen one that is now known as local man, but the kind of procedural murder investigation that's been going on in this. And I guess most of my books I'm enjoying right now are technically procedurals, which is weird, but here we are. Um, Chris likes manuals and instructions. Yeah. um, But 
this one's funny, has a bunch of nuance to it, but it's also kind of fun to basically see this image verse version of a, the Avengers, which is more like the boys than it is anything else um, in their existence. Um, but this guy basically having to try to figure out how to do the right thing without doing the right thing, because conditions of his whole thing is he's not supposed to superhero, which he got in trouble for just like cooperating with the police uh, last episode episode slash book. So it just continues to be interesting and fun. Um, Seeley's he's he's spending a interesting little thing here and I'm a sucker for gimmicks. So the fact that I can go back and read a very 90s image book for a few pages to give me more backstory every week is just fun. Um, my last two books should give some context to how wonderful the week was in comics. And that's because I'm going to show you two free comic book day books because I literally didn't read anything else that was worth mentioning. <clears throat> uh, so first one, if you rush to your comic shop, you might have seen that I am Stan, uh, which is literally a comic book about Stanley's like history at Marvel. And it's interesting. Um, insofar as it gives really quick snippets of where a lot of characters came from. Um, most of them appear to be correctly attributed, which is worth mentioning um, because for those that may not know, Stan has been challenged multiple times over the years of whether he properly co-created um, credit with individuals across all of these things. So, yep. Um, but like I said, I do believe it actually talks about that, but it talks kind of about the rise of where a lot of different characters came from the short stories of how some things were named. And so it's just neat to see a story of comics in comic book form. So it's just a fun look at that. So why not my next one? And my final one for these before we hit our number ones is an image book that's coming up later this year called The Sacrificers. Um, the introduction doesn't give us enough of the story to know what that truly means, but you're kind of introduced to this family of what appears to be pigeons, and there are other animals in this world. One of the kids is clearly, like, he literally isn't the boy in the basement. He's the boy in the barn, if you get that trope reference right there um but basically dad absolutely like beats the crap out of this kid and he's worthless and the rest of the family is like no but he's family um but the end of the introduction is literally some somewhat official looking being show up and are like great where's your sacrifice for this year and all of you go uh, oh <laughs> um but the dad actually shows up in his dad and it's like oh yeah he died so i guess i don't have one for you are bad. See you next year. Um, but that's the setup to the book is you kind of getting this really broken family, like look at this whole thing. And then something about all these families literally have to sacrifice a member of their family to these really evil looking dudes. Um, to apparently do something we don't really know, but we also get introduced to kind of like a Zeus godlike character. Um, that is like responsible for like raise literally creating a new son for every day is kind of the thing. And I think that's where they're going to go with the sacrifice thing and his daughter. Um, so those are all the little moving pieces of this. And this is how a free comic book day teaser works is it's giving you a glimpse at all that that makes you go what? So that you want to pick up the next book and success. Um, it's weird, but it's also pretty. I like pretty when I do comics. Um, so I'll be curious to see where image is going to go on that journey. So those were my polls. What you got in the number one slot for this week? Um, it's the same thing with the Donna DC going green arrow. Did you read this one? I didn't. And I think it's because everybody actually picked it up off my shelf. Like, I guess I need to go to the store earlier. So one, the covers like pretty generic, but also they're heavily branded, very nineties level. Like Green Arrow has a G on the side of his hood. <laughs> nice. Uh, but on the back cover, if you flip it over, you see like everybody remotely associated with Green Arrow, like ever. Like you've got Peacemaker in there, you've got um, wow. Cheshire, you've got Speedy, and 
like Huntress. And uh, this is also they uh, what's his face? Kevin Smith's creation. Um, Hornet? No, no. Onomatopoeia. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Onomatopoeia is on there. And um, also it's the first time we get a new look at Huntress's new costume, mm-hmm. which I think will be the new Dawn of DC outfit for Huntress. But everything looks a little more streamlined and a little more, uh, you know, that. But what's what's the dude from um, uh, the show Arrow? His sidekick in that. Oh shoot, um, Diggle. Yeah, dude, I think that's Diggle. Like, oh, that's cool. Like on the bottom right is like Diggle. yeah, I got you. I think so. I think we're getting Diggle in the new universe, but it's basically the same thing of. Uh, instead of him getting washed up on a island, he gets washed up in another universe on an island. Huh. And uh, but then you flashbacks to um, all of his squad working together as a team. It, it's basically a history lesson on Green Arrow, which jumps into uh, Red Arrow, um, Connor, and Black Canary, and Green Arrow all functioning as a team. Oh wow! So he's got his whole literal family. His biological son, his adoptive son, and his lady baby mama, um, like with him, functioning as a team, and they come up against someone, uh, some Riddler grin or whatever. And I'm gonna go ahead and spoil this because I don't care. Fight me. Um, <laughs> uh, Spoiler alert. Just kidding. Whatever. Yeah. Fine. Just eat it. Um, so there uh, comes up that one of the people they end up fighting with is some young. Uh, the, it's called the Cheshire Cat, not Cheshire, right? The Cheshire Cat. If you want to see like her little costumey right there, okay. Um, and lo and behold, here is the actual spoiler. Skip ahead thirty seconds if you don't want to hear this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, it's Roy's daughter with Cheshire. Oh no, that's cool. So Roy's daughter is now a teenage vigilante. Um, and she was trying to hide her identity from Roy because he, she knows that Cheshire is never going to let them all be together. So you get this whole, um, Cheshire reunited with Roy, um, or Cheshire cat reunited with Roy. And then they have this big family moment. And then right when the moment is at its most hallmark, warm, sappy Christmas movie moments, uh, three or four of them get transported to another universe. <laughs> like literally beamed me up. And one of them ends up, uh, one of them ends up, who was it? Um, so you see Connor and Cheshire cat get like star Trek out of there into an alien, that alien world where the other Oliver ended up crashing. Right. Okay. And um, Oliver destroys the only way for Cheshire Cat to go home. And it's like, rule number one, we don't go home. And so it's just like, great, you gave me a very foundational Green Arrow book and then made it weird. (laughs) (laughs) Don't make it weird, bro. Um, So, yep, there you go. What you got? All right. So I did creepy as well this week. And I don't know if you picked this up, but from... Oni, it's called Lamentation. I don't think it was on my shelf. It was so. 48 pages of fear. Um, you're introduced to this character that is a struggling actress and she's talking to her mom on the phone and basically doing the, I know mom, you're, of course you're my biggest fan, all that kind of stuff. I suck at life, this kind of stuff. And I've got this really promising audition at this place and the place is called the Requiem Theater. And when she shows up, it's like falling apart and dilapidated and stuff. She's like, okay, weird. And she goes inside and there's people there and they're doing everything. And they're like, great, I'm here for the audition. And they're like, great, you got the part. And she's like, I didn't do anything. And they're like, yeah, but you're perfect. Wonderful. Perfect. Um, they And they're like, great, here's a script. Get on stage. Let's get going. It's like, okay. Um Fast forward a little bit. Basically, the story that they set up for you here is that all of them kind of stumbled into this audition and they all have figured out they cannot leave. Um, They don't know why. Um, The main 
enemy uh, or the antagonist of the story, they've never met the actor for, but they've seen during practice. Um, and the person that was playing her part killed herself um, a few days before she showed up to take the part. Um, and they're like, no, seriously, you can't leave. We've all tried. <laughs> they're like, also, don't wander too far because people tend to disappear when you wander. Um, so literally have no context, but it seems to be if I'm looking into the crystal ball of the setup here, it seems that each actor probably has a individual internal demon they're battling and they're going to be faced with them through the antagonist and the fastest and safest way is through and out. Cause they say we've been told if we complete the show, then we're free to leave, but we've never gotten to show day and done the show. Um, so it's got a little bit of Scooby-Doo-ish in terms of that. They're trying to figure out who the masked man is. Um, but also this kind of weird internal dialogue for each of them seems to be how they all ended up there to begin with. Um, it's got kind of gritty ish noir ish type art. It's not super like black and white noir noir, but also has like, Ooh, creepy castle in the background art. Right. So, okay. Wow. Yeah, I'm just I'm, I'm like this is weird and creepy, so sure. I I you you've succeeded at hooking me into I want to get I want to understand. Here's the thing. I'm all down for Crackathoom. But when it's Crackathoom Doom. <laughs> yep, that's when you just too get, much. It's too much. So, going into into extra overtime special edition pieces, Hector, give us that first look and feel of Guardians volume tray before i say anything else on this i just want to say that uh the mcdonald's happy meal toys for these are garbage why (laughs) why does star lord (laughs) look like a kmart doctor strange because did they take a doctor strange head and stick it on star lord's body and say this is star lord because i swear to you my guy that looks (laughs) like doctor strange not like (laughs) chris pratt so if you're listening to this in your ear holes and don't see it i need you to get over to youtube so you can watch this discount dr (laughs) strange star lord wave his little gun around because this joker is ridiculous um i just bought my kid a happy meal right before this and i was like let me see that and by the way they look just as bad for the eternals um i don't care if this is the best marvel movie in a minute this is still the worst happy meal toy in a minute so i don't think the ones for black panther looked any better either um so marvel you have all the money in the world please make better happy meal toys um i digress uh uh it's a good ending to guardians it's a solid story um the high evolutionary a lot of times they spend so much time giving us way so much exposition that we barely get payoff this is just like we're starting out at the gate to say this dude's evil. Um, and uh, what I really find funny is that for me, this movie feels like they're recreating the movie Serenity. Huh? In so many ways. And like, I'm going to do a long essay blog post about this, but it really feels like they took the movie Serenity and just plugged in the guardians and called it a day. Um, oh. I have no beef with that. But there's like I can I can make a clever TikTok that'll boil it down in a few in less than two minutes. Why this is just Marvel's sassy version of Serenity. Um, but I feel that way. Uh, it's a good payoff for all the characters. Um, I will say dramatic warning uh, towards parents for content. Um, uh, if you are remotely sensitive to animal cruelty, this is going to punch you in your emotional feels. Um, and you will feel unokay. Uh, and uh, I remember in 1989 sitting in theaters being 100% traumatized by seeing the Joker buzzer a dude to the point where he fried as a corpse. I remember getting up from the theater in 1989 and hiding in the bathroom for the rest of the movie because that scene scared me. I was like eight, but, you know, roll with it. Um 
there's a moment where, uh, uh, if you've seen the high evolutionary in any of the trailers or anything else, you'll notice at some point in time, he looks normal. Then other points in time, he has a RoboCop vibe where his skin is stretched tight. You see under that. And under that is like, I'm talking like a solid horror level gore. Like, Mate. James James Gunn dug deep into his uh, resume on that one, huh? Yes, and I'll say this: like the stuff we saw in Multiverse of Madness was nothing. Oh wow, nothing! Huh. This literally looks like the goriest thing Marvel's put on screen. That's easily, wild. easily. Um, now, is it a great Marvel movie? Yes, it is a great. Uh, Guardians movie? Absolutely. Um, is it a good payoff? Sure. Um, and they tie some things together. I think they should have. I think everybody gets a solid ending. And I think the people who are complaining about Gamora not fitting in with how things were now. She gets her own justifiable ending. And I'm like, you know what? Good for you. Um, I don't think there's a better way they could have done this. Um, and I think that it really does play out well. Um, but that's to be the one thing I would say is like parents, uh, this is rough. Yeah. I've seen um, a few warnings about that and they dropped the F bomb and I feel like it's a wasted F bomb. Um, in terms yeah, get of get one baby, <laughs> but it's just like, he's telling uh nebula to open the car door. Opening, <laughs> pull the effing door. It's just like that. That's where you drop it. You have this moment with these villains later and all these things. And you, okay. That's where you put it. Um, yeah, so there's that. Uh, it does give Rocket the 100% payoff that he deserves. Um, I don't know. It's just like, it's what it should have been. It was good. It was solid. And it also proves the point that every movie is better with a Beastie Boys montage fight scene slash chase scene. Valid. Because, I mean, tell me Star Trek, that one Star Trek wasn't better with Sabotage as the song in the background. And like like the best fight scene as many people have labeled it um and i've seen like straw hat goofy and a lot of other movie people say that there's a scene towards the climax of the movie that is quite possibly the best fight scene in marvel hmm. and it's set to fight for your right to party <laughs> um so, or it's set to Beastie Boys. I can't remember if it's Fight for Your Right Party on top of my head. And Amazon Music is doing this annoying thing where if you go to buy the album in CD and vinyl, it's the correct album. But if you go to buy it digitally, they've mixed it up with the score and you can't buy the digital album of the soundtrack. And so much. So it's going to get fixed at some point, but they are not on their A game. So the soundtrack was a banger. Um, the Zune still gets plenty of love. Yeah. Um, and this is the first time we get Nathan Fillion as Nathan Fillion in the movie because Nathan Fillion has been in the previous two Guardians right. in various forms. Um, but this is where we actually get him as him. So that's it. I'm done. It was good. That's great. Uh, thank you, Hector, for bringing us this lovely sneak peek. It's a Marvel movie. You should watch it, but also don't scare your children. The end. <laughs> the end. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Uh, I don't know if I want to see it now. Well, here's the thing. I'm, um, um, I am not the most animal sensitive person. Um, like animal stuff doesn't bother me. So I feel like, Oh, I'm just a monster. (laughs) (laughs) Cause I'm like, I don't don't care. (laughs) And I'm like, Oh, I bet other people are really sensitive to this right now. Mm. Yeah. I will fight you. Yeah, I know you would. <laughs> yeah. I will fight you. I will fight anyone. Don't touch the fuzzies. Will you fight Dr. Starlord? <laughs> I had named this episode, but now I'm going to change it. Dr. Starlord. Now I'm going to change it. Um, but- Dr. Strangelord. No, Dr. Starlord. And thank you for being part of episode 86, naming 
in real time because that's how it works. Uh, but that is, in fact, going to do it for us here at the Polis Podcast. Episode 86 is now in the books and is now in your ears and your eyeballs and any place that you sense audio and visual information. Guardians of the Galaxy, I don't know. You could be aliens, strange animals. Don't put a lot of thought into it. Uh, yeah, because true. they've also given the Zoom more wireless capabilities. Um, but whatever, go on. Hmm, interesting. Um, so yeah, you can catch us on the YouTubes. Uh, this episode was full of lots of visual gags. So if you're just listening to us, you missed them. Um, yeah, like that. See, you missed it. It just happened. Uh, but we couldn't possibly do this alone. As many of you know, we take this epic journey of podcasts <laughs> and fandom with lots of other amazing podcasts right here on the Love Thy Nerd podcast network. So be sure to visit lovethynerd.com for more information, previous episodes. Maybe find yourself a little something new to add to your routine. And I am Batman. Hector and I do really want to thank you for choosing us as your primary comic book knowledge factory on a near weekly beat basis don't leave us hanging uh i literally sat in 87 degrees for the last hour to bring you audio and visual joy you are welcome please that is worth at least four stars chris star uh, <laughs> chris poirier built this podcast in a cave <laughs> uh, sort of it's just it looks really nice it's just really hot in here um it's a well-decorated we cave yeah, it's a well-decorated, well-lit cave, just no AC. Um, but we do want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Thank you for listening. And remember, kids, read, read more, more comics. comics. I'm going to take all seven continents.